Welcome in to another edition of the WSN Podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, General Manager at Wisports.net. After a little one-week hiatus on the WSN Podcast, we're back at it. Like many of the games and schools last week, we got canceled on the podcast. We'll blame the weather. Uh, It was not a fun time to be a high school athletic director, coach, even a player, All kinds of issues last week that uh, caused a lot of problems with scheduling, postponements, cancellations, teams that had to uh, endure essentially three weeks between games. Some of them went a week almost without even practicing or having a game of any kind. Uh, Just a crazy, crazy weather week that led to a crazy week of schedules on the high school sports scene, which is uh, unfortunate as we get closer to the playoffs. But on the same token, you really hope that we don't run into those kinds of issues in the playoffs because things get even more compacted then. It's going to be bad enough the next couple weeks. There's a lot of teams that are playing eight games in 15, 16 days, playing three games a week. Uh, That's going to be a very common occurrence something that I think most coaches try to avoid, understandably. But uh, they're, they're going to be up against it in the, in the final weeks of the regular season. And again, you, you just hope that that holds off, that weather holds off for the postseason. Now, we've seen already this week, Monday and Tuesday night, there were some uh, games postponed, some start times moved up on Tuesday night to try to get ahead of the weather. And uh, certainly good to see, as, as we have always encouraged teams, athletic directors, coaches to be proactive in scheduling, whether it's moving up start times, when it's maybe it's uh, moving up a game by a day to get ahead of weather, what have you. Uh, they're, they're having to get quite uh, you know out of the norm and uh, get creative on their scheduling. And the other thing that could become a, an issue and, and maybe is an issue in, in some places is with all of these games getting pushed in a shorter and shorter window, running into a problem finding officials for all of these rescheduled games. It's hard enough in a lot of places to find three-man crews for varsity, and that might get even harder in the next few weeks here. Hoping, hoping things go better in the next few weeks. Uh, we're going to open with a little bit of, uh, of football chat real quick, and then we're going to get to a uh, an interview with Kate Peterson-Abiad from the Wisconsin Interscholastic Athletic Association, the new associate director of the WIAA. Chat about her first uh, few months on the job, her first uh, uh, time uh, running some of the fall tournaments, her background, uh, a little different than than some of the other folks in the WIAA office, and, and you know how that benefits her and, and uh, the unique perspectives that she brings with her background. Um, and just kind of get an update on how things are going in her first year with the WIAA. Before we get into that, though, I do want to talk uh, just briefly about um, some kind of off-the-field tournament-related football news that uh, came out, uh, what was it, last week, I guess, late last week, out of the uh, WIAA Board of Control meeting. First of all, they did approve a uh, revamped conference realignment process. Now, this is a, a, a change to the realignment process for all sports. This is not related to 
the football-only conference realignment that is is going on right now that uh, is is still ongoing. This is uh, coming out of just the general discussions about how can the WIAA make the conference realignment process better, smoother, more transparent. Uh, previously, it had been handled basically exclusively by Deb Hauser in her role with the WIAA, and when she left, uh, after a, a number of very contentious conference realignment situations over the last few years, uh, the WI office decided it, it wasn't fair to throw that on uh, the, the new person that was going to be taking her place, that eventually was Kate Peterson Abiad, or you know, hand it off to another person in their office and, and really felt that uh, they needed to, to change that up. And the football-only realignment process actually served as a very uh, good template for what uh, I think is going to happen with the overall conference realignment process. A lot of the things that they're talking about in there are very similar, if not pulled exactly from the football process. And that includes things like uh, the, uh, the formation of a committee that will review the conference realignment uh, requests uh, formalization of the request process. Formerly, it was just kind of, all right, at the area meetings in the fall, stand up if you want realignment. Well, now there's going to be a process where you're going to have to have support from the various levels of your uh, your school, from the AD, the principal, the superintendent, uh, have everybody on board. Um, you know, it'll be a, more of a collaborative process. The The schools that request relief will have to provide documentation about why they want relief. Some of those things that I think are very good changes to the conference realignment process, and and they're uh, working on a, uh, a the, the task force that put that together. Um, you know that uh, that full process is much more formalized, and I think will make things a lot easier. the The item of note in football that was approved at that uh, January Board of Control meeting that I want to touch on uh, a little bit is the. Uh, the auto seating process that was approved beginning in 2019. Now, uh, if you recall, for many, many years, seating in the WIA football playoffs was done using a criteria system that was established by the WIAA, where essentially the top four teams in each region based on that criteria were seated, and then the next four teams were not seated. They were actually matched up by geography. So in essence, if you if you thought of it as one through eight seating, which it wasn't, you could have the one play the five if they were the closest geographically. You could have the two play the six, etc. cetera. Um, and that process uh, lent itself to some issues. Um, you know, teams, if, if you finished undefeated, but you were in a weaker conference or played a weaker schedule and you finished undefeated and another team had one loss, well, you were going to get seated ahead of that one loss team that might have come out of a much stronger conference. And so there was a call by the coaches to take control of that process, similar to what has been done in every other sport uh, for regional seating, playoff seating. And I don't recall exactly which year it was, but the, the coaches actually seated, uh, took over that seating process. There were seating meetings held on the Saturday after the, the regular season ended, um, process was essentially the same as seeding in basketball and baseball and softball and volleyball and in these other uh, sports. Coaches uh, 
you know, got a chance to voice their opinion. And, and uh, I can't remember if it was a three-minute slot that they were allowed to kind of state their case on why they thought they should be, uh, you know, seated where or present their kind of season summary. Then the coaches voted. Uh, there was an appeals process they could go through within their seating meeting if they thought they should have got the four and they actually got the five or whatever. But ultimately, the coaches voted on the seeds. Um, there has been some talk the last couple of years about maybe some changes to that process. There were some coaches that have felt like there's a little bit too much gamesmanship that has gone into the seeding, excuse me, the last few years. Um, where, you know, if you got four coaches in a uh, in a eight team grouping from the same conference, they essentially control what happens, and so there was the thought that maybe sometimes that happens too much. I know there was some uh, some complaints from a few coaches about, you know, the getting a two seed compared to the one seed when they were from a much stronger conference. In you know, in in theory. Um, but overall, you know, I, I didn't feel like there was a ton of complaints, but there, there was a, uh, a, an idea or a push by some uh, to explore the idea of some kind of automated seating process. And so the Football Coaches Association uh, Advisory Board did, pre- uh, did present that to the WIA, uh, and then that went to the Board of Control for approval, and they passed it. I, I don't believe that there is any specific seeding process that has been implemented. They didn't vote on what process to use, just that they were going to use uh, uh, electronic or or automated seeding of some kind in 2019. I'm guessing that's going to be developed by the WIA office and and their technology director in partnership with Wade Lebecki, certainly, and and also the the Football Coaches Advisory uh, Group. To, uh, to figure out what that process will be. And um, hearing from some coaches afterwards, there were some that uh, were a little bit surprised by that, that didn't, uh, you know, didn't necessarily fe- uh, feel that was uh, the right way to go. There were some that, that liked the idea, that were kind of interested to see how it would actually play out, because ultimately that's what's going to determine its success, is how, how does that um, you know, automatic seating process work? Does it get to what people think it should be. Um, there's a lot of different variables you can take into account. There's a lot of different uh, factors you can put into whatever algorithm that, you, that are developed to, uh, to get a, a certain outcome. So again, we'll see how that plays out. It's kind of interesting. Um, and yeah, we'll, uh, we'll take a look at what happens next year and, and maybe break down once the actual uh, uh, formula or um, you know, system is announced, uh, we'll do a little bit of a breakdown on WSN. I, I hope that we can kind of apply that retroactively to some past seasons and see how it would affect things um, as long as we can get that information and you know get it broken down. So uh, something that we'll, we'll certainly be talking about uh, once football does roll around. And very happy to bring on our next guest on the WSN podcast, Kate Peterson-Abiad from the Wisconsin Athletic uh, Interscholastic Athletic Association, new assistant director this year for the WIAA. Kate, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, uh, what uh, what are things like in the WIA office right now, especially with all of the cancellations and postponements and things going on with winter sports right now? Well, you know, the weather is always something in Wisconsin. So we have, um, I know ADs are uh, scrambling to get games played and, and there's rescheduling that is happening um, all over the state. And 
that isn't affecting us here as much. I mean, we have questions about can we move this game and, and that type of thing, but um, it's starting to trickle back late enough into the season that, you know, it's going to affect some of, um, you know, the games are going to start trickling into when playoffs will be starting. And so boys' games will be still playing um, later and later as the girls' tournament is beginning. And so this made, makes for some tricky gym scheduling and that type of thing from the high schools. And I don't envy their situation right now uh, back at each high school as they're dealing with those changes. I'm sure you're just hoping that you don't run into these kinds of issues in the playoffs once that gets started, well, I right? Am, I'm, I'm hoping that it's getting it out of its system so that it does not, so that we're done with that once the, once the tournament season begins. But, you know, you never know. Right. And, and like you said, it's not fun for the ADs. It's not fun for the coaches. It's not fun for the players um, to, to go sometimes three weeks without a game and then all of a sudden now have, yeah. you know, eight games in 15 days in some instances. So certainly True. not uh, not ideal. Yeah. And we've had some, um, you know, we've had to send out some information because there is a rule that states you if you go seven full days without a practice or a game, that you have to then reacclimate, meaning three practices before you can play a game again. So we had to send out information to athletic directors saying, got to get a practice in here if, if you're closing in on seven days, or you will have to cancel some games once the weather lifts uh, because you got to get three practices in on separate days before you play again. So I know we had some people trying to get in the gym to get some practices in. And that was something that we were uh, kind of aware of last week when all the uh, weather issues were happening. Are you aware of any games that had to get postponed because of that seven-day rule at all? I'm not aware. Um, I'm not aware of, of if that happened or not. Um, I know that people were pretty conscientious about it, and, and we, you know, the suggestion was that if you got a coach present and you've got a couple players, it constitutes a practice. So... Um, we gave some latitude because we knew there was, you know, this was going to be pretty tricky for some some of the schools that got hit harder. And uh, let's let's go back a little bit and let's kind of talk about uh, your your background. Uh, you come from a, a different background than than a lot of people in the WIA office who came through the uh, school administration, high school administration uh, realm. Your background is in in college basketball coaching and spent. Uh, more than 25 years as a college coach at Wisconsin, most recently at Cleveland State as the head coach for a number of years. Uh, kind of give us a little background on on you and uh, in what you have done and, and also maybe how that has tied in and helped you in your transition to the WIAA. Well, it, it's been a real change. You know, I, 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 my history of how, you know, how my life went after college was I wasn't ready to be done with playing basketball, but that ends. So um, I played here at Wisconsin-Stevens Point, um, grew up in River Falls. So I did what I could to find a college job or to continue coaching as a grad assistant in college, which um, as a grad assistant, you don't do a lot of coaching, but you do a lot of other work and you get to see the inside, you know, an inside look at, at what happens in college athletics. And I was fortunate enough to uh have an opportunity to do that at a high level uh, right out of right out of college I was working at Indiana University um, and with the women's program and and then with Eastern Illinois University as a full-time assistant recruiting coordinator was hired from there to the Badgers 
and and spent a total of 12 years as an assistant coach before becoming a head coach at Cleveland State University and spent 15 years there as a head coach which was a really great experience and you know I was I was completely immersed in college coaching and every aspect of that the recruiting um you know the the team building, the the coaching, the film breakdown, everything that goes with that, I was completely immersed in, and you know, and then life sort of happened. You know, I met met my husband. He was also a college coach in the volleyball side, and um, and then after a few years, we we started having a family, and then you know, I just had a little bit different perspective. I was never seeing my children, and and so um, felt a real satisfaction with what. I was able to do with my career as a college basketball coach and was ready to, you know, just make an adjustment in my life so that I could be a better mom. And um, so we chose to, to leave that world behind. And But we didn't want to leave completely the athletic side of things. I mean, it's what we've been doing our entire lives. So I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity to be with the WIAA and keep myself involved with you know high school sports and um you know there's obviously it's a very different world but yet it's it's all service oriented it's service towards athletes and the experience that they're having and um and that was always really important to me as a college basketball coach that we were providing an opportunity and um an atmosphere that that kids could really feel good about so um, taking this job here, uh, you know, you're right, I don't have the experience of the high school background, and so had to rely on people here in this office, and I've been really fortunate to have a great group of supportive, you know, executive staff here that has walked me through, um, you know, how things are supposed to work, and um, I appreciate, I've appreciated that because it, you know, it's it's a different world, and um, there's a lot to learn, and so trying to do that as quickly as I can and it seems like as soon as I start catching on to something I have to switch sports so <laughs> one season ends and I'm on to the next but um but it's it's been a a really fun transition for me and um you know I still have a long way to go but I'm I'm getting I'm heading in the right direction I think what uh it, you've been on the job a little less than a year now what are some things that have kind of surprised you about transitioning to the WIAA uh, and, and what are some of the, the, the challenges that have, have come up along the way? Well, you know, I think one of the things I didn't really know, I mean, I played high school sports, but I, I never really had any experience where I was involved with the WIAA. And to me, the WIAA was just, you know, the people that made the rules. And as long as I wasn't breaking them, I wasn't going to have any any interaction with the WIAA. And I've come to realize that that's really not – I think that's a, that was a big misconception that I had, and it's, uh, I think it's a big misconception of a lot of people, is that we're over here uh, making rules that we believe are the best for, you know, for high school athletics, um, when in fact there is quite a process for those rule changes, and it involves – you know, every aspect, the coaches, the athletic directors, you know, conference commissioners, we have a, a wide variety of people that are making decisions along the way and, you know, that the rules are finally 
determined, you know, by the by the board of control, and um, that that was all sort of news to me. So, sort of the, I guess the process has been the biggest um, enlightening part of my experiences uh, here. Just not understanding how it worked, and and now getting an inside glimpse at at how rules are changed and where it starts and how many steps it has to go through. And, um, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of times I interact with people who say, why do you do it that way? And, and my answer is, well, because it started somewhere with the coaches and then it went to the ADs and then it went to, and somewhere along the way, somebody thought this was the way it should be done. And the membership felt strongly enough to vote that through. So, um, so that for me has been a big, I guess, a sort of, Maybe the most surprising part is I, I wasn't aware of the of the process, you know, from the outside looking in. Do you feel like there's kind of a, a general disconnect in that realm from what coaches or fans feel uh, the WIA, WIA does compared to how things actually work in the association? I do. I do feel that way. And, uh, you know, I'm saying that with a limited amount of experience and just certain certain areas that I've had interactions with and, and others that I haven't yet. So I don't I guess I don't want to make a sweeping statement that that is the case. But in my experience I find um that there are statements that are being made, you know, that maybe aren't don't understand that process. And um so it has made me realize that there's a lot of people that don't understand how that works. And, um, you know, we want to advocate for, I, I for one, want to advocate for the sports that I work on behalf of and serve in this role here in the WIAA. And I work with two soccers, boys and girls, two basketballs, boys and girls. I work with track and field and I work with cross country. And, um, you know, I, I have the, most of my knowledge comes from the basketball world, but I just spent a weekend with the track and field people and they have a lot of really strong feelings um, in their coaches association about what they'd like to see. And I'm happy to help them push those ideals forward. If they can show me that they have the support of the membership, the coaches feel strongly about that. I'm, I don't, I don't know what's best for track and field. I'm, I'm, I am relying on, them to gather that information for me so that I can advocate for them um, as they would like to see some things change. And so, um, you know, I I would never, I would never, um, you know, sit over here and and try to make decisions on track and field rules. You know, that's, that's not my area of expertise. And um, so I'm happy to advocate for what, you know, what the membership wants. And I think that's, what all of us do here. And I'm not sure that's maybe as well known as I would like it to be. What are some of the experiences that you've had the the first few months here with the WIA that, that really stand out? Uh, some of the positive experiences that, that you've uh, had so far? Well, you know, the state tournaments are, are really the best part of this whole thing. It's, you know, I, I when I first arrived here, I ran state girls soccer tournament and it's the first time I'd ever been a part of that and I was impressed you know on every level with the venue that we use and and the people that volunteer their time to help and 
I, I went from there to watch the state track and field meet, um, which was enormous. I had no idea how big of an event that was, and and it was very impressive. And the, and 500 some volunteers who come, some for 30 years have come to, you know, volunteer their time to work at the state track and field meet. And then, you know, from there I did this, the fall boys soccer and now I'm, and, and the cross country meets. And, you know, we have almost 10,000 people come and watch the cross country meet. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty impressive event as well. And I'm heading into, you know, boys and girls basketball, which I had experience attending um, in the past and just seeing from the inside how, all the pieces work together to, you know, to put on, um, you know, a state, a state championship is, is very impressive to me. And so that's been, that's been, you know, some of the most fun parts of, of being involved. And, and then the other thing is that, you know, I spent time in the state, um, you know, years ago, but also in the past few years with the recruiting I've done in Wisconsin, I did spend a lot of time recruiting up here when I coached at Cleveland State and, and certainly for the Badgers. So having the opportunity to reconnect here with people that I have been involved with in high school sports um, through college recruitment and through my own experience in high school has been, um, you know, the other thing that I've felt probably the most pleasure in in my return here to Wisconsin. As we kind of look forward, uh, what are some things that, that you feel like you can um, help with the WIA? Any any particular plans or or proposals or things like that that, that you're looking forward to uh, helping with or, or any issues um, that, that might be on the horizon that, that you feel like you can contribute to? Well, I'm still learning that. Um, I'm, I'm not sure... I wanted to spend an entire year going through all the seasons that I'm involved with and learn about how things are done in the past. Um, but I'm also a big advocate for um, doing things that make sense and not necessarily because it's the way it's been done in the past. Um, so I have to learn about why we do things the way we do things um, and then try to figure out you know, where I should be looking for new ways of doing things. and new ideas to be brought in. Um, I think I can bring a different perspective um, to that, to different areas. I mean, I'm not speaking, I'm speaking in generalizations here. I'm not talking about anything specific, but, um, you know, I'd love to get, you know, our young populations involved in our state tournaments and and create opportunities um, in different ways to involve the youth uh, who are interested with the sports that we're we're running, um, because I do hear when you know in, in coming here that there is some fall off in numbers of participation in participation numbers in some of the sports, and um, I think that hopefully one way to address address that is to involve youth in in some of the events that we're putting on, and so I'd like to look into doing that a little bit more um, in the sports I'm involved with and um, see if that can go somewhere but i i would you know i i think i'm still learning as as to how and why things have been done in the past and and before i go and jump into making or trying to make changes um i want to really understand the process and 
how we got to the way we do things. Um, and I, I think the people here are really open to fresh ideas and and a new perspective. So I'm looking forward to hopefully bringing some of that. Before we let you go, how's uh, tournament planning for your first uh, girls and bas- girls and boys basketball playoffs going? Well, doing a little bit every day. I feel like you know the clock is ticking, and so I know there's a lot still to be done. Um, we just released the official assignments for the regionals, um, all levels of regionals and the le- both levels of sectionals um, for both boys and girls. So we have been immersed in emails um, with officials either turning back assignments or accepting assignments and and filling spots that need to be, you know, completed here. So that that's a full-time job in and of itself. Um, but it slowed down a little bit. I had, you know, 111 emails when I came in this morning, and we're back down to zero now. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that that, you know, that starts to slow down a little bit because, I've also been spending time talking with the venues both in Green Bay and in Madison trying to discuss details of, um, you know, how the tournaments are run and trying to meet the people that have in the past done the jobs that, you know, that they've held, uh, some of them for a very long time, anywhere from, you know, score clock, you know, scoreboard and um, announcers to team hosts to um, you know, the, the logos that go on the floor to just all the details that have to fall into place in order for us to, you know, run the tournament. So I will be, you know, diving and have already dove into that wholeheartedly and, um, looking forward to getting it all done before we tip it up in March. And uh, it, it, for us, and, and maybe you'll feel the same way, the state tournaments are kind of the, the reward at the end of the season mm-hmm. uh, for, the, for the work you put in during the year. Um, it, it's a great experience, as you've experienced before, as, as you mentioned. Uh, we're looking forward to, uh, to your first time running the basketball state tournaments, and uh, we definitely appreciate you joining us on the WSN podcast today, and uh, hopefully we'll be talking down the road. Thanks a lot, Travis. I appreciate the opportunity. So great to catch up with Kate and kind of get a little bit more on her background, what led her to the WIAA, uh, kind of how things have gone for her the first uh, few months, a little less than a year that she's been with the WIAA. And and as I mentioned, looking forward to um, seeing her at the state tournaments and and seeing how things go in her first year running the Boys and Girls Basketball State Tournaments, Uh, certainly a couple of the crown jewels of the WIAA calendar. We've had a chance to work with Kate uh, on our, our partnership on the three-point challenge and on a few other things and uh, really enjoyed uh, working with her on those and, and look forward to continuing to do so down the road. With that, we'll uh, we'll give it a wrap on our WSN podcast for this week. Certainly hope that things go better on the weather front in, in the next couple weeks uh, and that we don't have uh, too many issues getting games in and certainly hopefully no issues getting in games in the playoffs. We'll be back next week and it'll be about time to start talking about playoffs. We'll uh we'll be bringing on in the next couple of weeks Mark Miller and Norbert Durst to to kind of get their thoughts on the end of the season, uh the the playoffs, uh, who they're liking, uh you know, in the postseason come tournament time. So stay tuned for all of that in the next edition of the WSN podcast. Until then, I'm Travis Wilson. This has been a Wisports.net podcast. We'll see you at a game.